Welcome to Meet the Musicians, James at the Apple Store, Kurfürstendamm. Please welcome our guest moderator, Silke Super. Hi and welcome everybody. Tonight we have the wonderful opportunity of talking with the lovely band James about their fantastic new album, La Petite Mort. But before we're going to welcome the band on stage, we're going to watch a video to one of their new songs. Please enjoy James. Moving on. <laughs>
So please welcome the band responsible for this song and all the lovely other ones to be found on their actual album, La Petite Mort. Here are James. Please welcome on stage Tim, Jim, Larry and Saul. <laughs> Hello. Good to see you. <laughs> yeah, you too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> Seems like they're glad to see you. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome once more and congratulations. You did a marvelous album, I think, but I'm not the only one, I'm sure. <laughs> Apart from that, this video we've just seen is absolutely amazing. So who came up with the idea for that? This wonderful uh, young animator from Scotland called Ainsley Henderson, who we've known from about the age of 17. And uh, he, uh, he listened to the story of the song, which the, lyrically this is about my mother dying. Um, and uh, I, she's, she was like 90 and I got a phone call. I was in Los Angeles that she was sick in, in England and uh, flew back and had this amazing 24 hours with her, singing to her in hospital uh, while she passed, surrounded by loved ones, uh, in my arms. And it, it, it was incredible because it felt like a birth. Uh, and it, it was sad, but it was also uplifting. And in this culture, I'd never heard that death could be a beautiful experience. And um, so it, basically I told him the story, and the next day he had this incredible screenplay wow. that we all read <laughs> and we all went holy cow what's he done did it turn out the way you expected it to look like exactly wow that's amazing and very rare he, yeah. okay. he had pictures in in the the next day of of wool characters that made of balls of wool uh, that were identical to what he created knowing the story you just told the sad story of your loss it's not really surprising that a lot of songs on the record deal with endings in a way and some with deaths but I was really surprised how uplifting and positive not only this song is but the whole record appears so, so did it turn out like that did you listen to it in the end and figure oh it's quite uplifting or, or was it a plan in the beginning that you said the item is heavy it's sad but maybe we make the music sound a bit different to it we don't plan anything. We, we were all cheerful during the recording. So there were six of us who were cheerful and Tim who'd been through a hard <laughs> time, you know. But as I said, I, was, I wasn't, it, it, was, it, it was more an awakening. I then had another experience uh, four months later of one of my best friends died and that was, that was a more common experience, I think, of when people lose somebody they love and don't get to express what you needed to express and don't get there on time. I flew to New York and was too late. And so I had the two extremes, I think, experiences that people experience with death. And it, it taught me a lot, and it, was, uh, it, it came out positively. The, the, you know, we can't help but be an uplifting band. We're not Joy Division. Yeah. We, we, um, <laughs> and we appreciate <laughs> that. We think life is, is hard enough, you know, and, and so our, our pleasure is to find a way to turn something into uh, creativity or into healing that might necessarily be very painful. Yep. I think when Tim writes a lyric that um, is potentially kind of a little dark, 
Um, I think musically we tend to try to counterbalance that with something uplifting and joyous. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, and I think on this record, full stop, I mean, Tim touched on it before about the, the West's attitude towards death. And we're useless at dealing with it because we kind of pretend it doesn't happen. Uh, somebody, you know, I think we've all had people close to us, you know, parents or whatever that's died. Um, and it's something I think it's particularly in Britain, I don't know, maybe it's the same here, that it's just something we don't deal with well. It's not something we talk about and it's seen as a very kind of, kind of negative thing in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, we're just trying to kind of, in, in a little way, kind of make people just feel maybe that isn't necessarily necessary. Um, same with the, the album Sleeve, I mean, using some of the kind of, kind of Day of the Dead imagery. Um, and the Day of the Dead festival is a celebration, it's very positive. Um, so kind of just playing with some of those ideas and just, and I think the lyric to moving on, I mean, yeah, it's very moving, but I mean, I, I love the kind of, you know, the leave, the leave a light on, you know, it's, it's positive. It's kind of like whether the lights to kind of guide you in or whether the mm. lights to welcome you, you know, it's, it's again, even just that sentiment to sing about something in a song in the West, I think it's rare. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the French album title, La Petite Mort, comes to the little death when translated, but from my knowledge of English and French, this expression has got nothing to do with death at all. <laughs> Could you explain why it became the album title? Well, <laughs> what, what has it got to do with? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? We but don't you, know. You don't, we don't know. know. We don't know. You want me to explain? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. yeah. To all the children out there. <laughs> let, let's describe it, maybe, so we don't get this explicit lyric <laughs> stamp on it. If you don't know what Le Petit Mall means, look it up on Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, um, but be careful where it takes you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Saul disappeared for a month down a wormhole. Mm. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> it, uh, that was it, pretty funny. It, um, Le well, it also shows that we're good Europeans. Yeah. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> there you but go. I think there's more yeah. to it than that. <laughs> Rather than bad yeah. islanders. So, okay, yeah. let, let's pick it up. It, it, it's found also in the lyrics of uh, Frozen Britain. So, so it, was it just like you were looking for something from out of all the possible lyrics of the record and you spotted this one or is there <laughs> a different story to when it? You, when, you realized, when we realized that a lot of the lyrical themes were about birth and death, um, it was like, wh- how do you title the album? Do you call it Death? Because <laughs> I don't think many people would buy it. Um, so we were looking for a title that was more curious and more um, seductive and more... Uh, and there's humour in there, isn't Humour in there. I mean. uh, Le Petit Mort in French is often referring to the post-orgasmic state when you uh, forget now your we've ego. Now we stamp. <laughs> when you forget your ego for five seconds. So there's about 50% of people out there that are women that don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we could discuss that after the Q's and A's. Yeah, that maybe. Yeah, okay. So um, how many songs did you work on? So we ended up with this final gathering we have on the album. Like, is there, was there like an enormous amount of songs you were working on and somehow you had to break it down to... Uh, 10 or 11. We wrote, um, a, we wrote a lot of songs, we always do. I mean, we write through improvisation. We just mm-hmm. get in the room, the five of us, cousin Mark, wherever he is, um, the keyboard player, get in a room and, and just make stuff up. Um, nobody goes in with anything prepared. We just play and listen to each other and we record everything. Um, and the jams can be anything from kind of five, six minutes long to 45 minutes long. Um, and then that was th- that's the fun bit, doing that. That's kind of really easy and really good fun. And then uh, ha- how, how long did that take? Um, lots and lots and lots of sessions over a period of probably about 18 months, two years. 
we, yeah. we, we probably did, though, about, what, 40 jams? Do you think? A lot more than that. More than that? Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll come back to you with the figure, but it's a lot more than that. He's, he's the yeah. arch archivist. Uh, so the archivist. Every band has one. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah with the neat notes. For, um, for the Hey Ma record, we did 120 songs to make the 14. Yeah. For this record, it felt less. I think it probably is, but not by a lot, you know. Yeah. I thought we'd only been 80 or 90. We money on I it. thought we were getting more efficient. A little bit, we are, huh? just slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Album 26 will yeah. be there too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we did. We whittled it down uh, like we always do. And then we kind of just start playing through things. And then the good stuff stays and the lesser stuff slips by the wayside. Um, Actually, I, I mean, prior to going into the studio and recording the album, we'd made decisions pretty much by then. No, yeah. uh, we had a very strong idea as to what it was we were going to record. There's not much point in going into the studio with this big bag of songs that, that you know, we had to narrow it down. And that, it is a difficult process because you know that you're going to throw away things that could become great songs, but you, you, there isn't room for everything. So it's actually it's an inherently inefficient <coughs> system, which is all about the creative process and less about making a final product as such, as people call it. But how do you do the final decision? What do you have in mind then? Is it like picking it's the strongest or dearest songs or is it more about a structure you want to find for the no, whole I album? Wish, I, I wish actually that it was, that we were more scientific about it and say, well, we have this, we've got these kind of tempos represented, we need something slower. Or we don't, we, we, we're not really like that. We can't get it together in that way. And there are actually seven of us in the band. So you've got seven different opinions as to what constitutes a good addition to the album. It's very difficult. It's about our taste. We have to find a collective taste amongst all of us and say, okay, and reach some accommodation with each other. I know that we've left behind songs on this album that probably could become James classics, but we, fuck it, we'll never use them. So if anybody wants to buy a song, <laughs> <laughs> it nearly finished sounds cheap. just like James. <laughs> and and the, the things keep changing as well. So I don't, until very close to the end, I don't think we really know what the songs are going to sound like. No. Um, that makes it harder to kind of mm. get an overall concept of, yeah, we're going to have this kind of sound or something. Well, plus, we're not that disciplined. I don't think are we really we're not stick very to something like that. No. <laughs> okay. Lots of minds changing all the time. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's our prerogative with the, yeah. with the writers. So when it comes to lyrics, Tim, it, I understood it that it all starts during the jamming sessions as well. And sometimes you're just ending up with, with like two phrases or two bits of, how can we imagine you and where do you finish them? Some, yeah, lyrics usually come, a seed will come in the first improvisation. There might be a phrase or a, a, like moving on, I think was there the first time and leave a little light on was in the first jam. Um, and then it kind of gives me an idea of what I'm going to write about. Uh, then what's been happening in the last few years is I wake up at four o'clock in the morning with some lyrics uh, that I just can't sleep. And then I lie there going, Really? Now? <laughs> and then I, get a, I have a pen and paper by my bed and I try and write them down and I try and stay a bit unconscious, a bit half asleep because I write better uh, unconsciously than I do consciously. Um, it, it's kind of, I think the unconscious writes more interesting lyrics <laughs> than the ego. So, uh, and if I stay in that state, then I can get most of the lyric and then that will happen maybe a few times to finish it. And then there are other songs which are a bit more technical, like Curse, Curse on the record. Mm -hmm. That was more of a, that took longer and I wanted it to be wittier. So uh, there was a more conscious mind in that. But the emotional songs that come straight from the psyche, um, they come quite quickly usually and, and it, it, during sleep. 
Was Curse Curse the one you said in another interview that, that it took you about 18 months to write it? Probably from start to finish, but it, that doesn't mean sitting down and working yeah, yeah, like of course. you know Lennon Cohen. <laughs> it's like because he he can take years. One it, word a week. One <laughs> that's um, a good week. Curse. Uh, that's a good week. Yeah. yeah. Crossed out. Curse. <laughs> no, I've already done that one. Fuck it. That's two weeks worth done in one day. Brilliant. I can go on holiday now. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, usually they're quick. I mean, they're kind of quick, really. The best ones are quick because they come pouring out of you and you don't think about it. And then, the one, but, and then there's a few technical ones that you work out longer. I think also there's a similar process that we as a bunch of musicians go through, which is, you know, we improvise something together, we play something together, and that's kind of the start point of something that you will then <coughs> add to that song. It mm. won't necessarily be a final edition, but it kind of, a bit like Tim coming up with an initial idea, a melodic idea or a rhythmical idea, I think for the, for the rest of us we do that as well uh, as musicians. Our parts develop all the time, uh, although on occasion you do something in an improvisation and you know that's your, that's your contribution, never, you, you won't do it again actually, uh, and maybe probably never do it better. And he wakes up at four o'clock in the morning with his violin by the bed, <laughs> going, oh, I hear this. I've only <laughs> <laughs> offending the neighbours. <laughs> yeah. So, how finished are the songs when when you decide to book a studio? I, is it like do you have to be somehow fixed in your mind to to know exactly what you're going to record, or is it mm. more like you have an idea but you're still open for changing that? Maybe with the help of a producer. Some, some of it's deadlines. Some of it's kind of you know we're demanded to go in the studio because we've been messing around long enough. We have to, f I think, feel that we've got a strong enough bunch of songs, but what exactly they are and how they're going to pan out, we don't really know. Um, it tends to be more like, you know, you have to go in the studio now because the album needs to come out this, this time. Um, so we're kind of forced to start making decisions. Uh, I mean, we sat around quite a lot, didn't we? Mm. For periods of time during the making of this record, kind of listening to our dem demos that we had and, and trying to make decisions between two different songs and, and kind of going, ah, and, you know, and working on the structures of the songs and chopping things up and moving them around and trying to find, you know, uh, an arrangement that also suited, best suited the song. But I mean, we, we worked with a, a producer on this record who approached working with us in a very different way to the way that we've worked previously with producers, notably with, with Eno. When we've worked, we made five records with Brian Eno and normally that was a much more shifting process mm -hmm. where everybody's contribution was welcome. Um, working with Max, n nobody's contribution was welcome. No, I'm being funny. I mean, I am being funny, aren't I? <laughs> he got I being funny? He's telling jokes. Don't know. Telling jokes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he got credits in the album for no, being extremely no, he patient. No, so he there must be a reason for he, that. He was extremely patient, and and actually, it was a brilliant experience where where we were, we had these very firm ideas, parts that we all had to contribute and melo melodies and lyrics, we had the songs basically. But actually what Max was then going to do with those songs was, was an unknown quantity to us. And that was a very exciting part of the process. Um, where honestly, you didn't know what was going to happen between the, the beginning of the day and the end of the day. And I think in no small part, he's contributed to the sound of this record, which for people who know James well will recognise it's a different sounding record for us. It's less organic and it's more bolted together probably, and more precise as a, as a body of work. Okay. Um, and he's German, by the way. 
He's Max Dingle. Yeah. Mm. yeah, the name sounded like it. Yeah. And yeah. he also produced other bands. And yeah, nobody of any note, though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of non-interest. They are a bit known, though. But, <laughs> yeah. So, but he was a perfect guy to get it done this time. For Seems this like record. it. Yeah, yeah, I think I okay. think it's the kind of that that was the the piece we were looking for. It was kind of to work sonically on the record. Um, I think sometimes we've gone in the studio and banged through the songs and felt that that's probably enough. And I don't think it really is. I think we wanted to craft the sound as well. And I think Max is perfect. That he's a, like a mad scientist. Um, he does crazy, mad things to get you sounding fantastic, and it takes a long time. Um, but I think he's done it. I think the record sounds great. Do you have a personally favorite track on the record, each one of you, that you want to share with us? Or is that something that's often demanded and, and can't be answered by an artist who's been writing and working on these songs? It tends to change, doesn't it, a bit, as you kind of live with the record? Yeah. And as you play things live, I suppose, as well. I mean, Walk Like You is a big one, I think. Walk, we we stuck it? Walk Like You at the front, you know, it's seven minutes, over seven minutes long. <laughs> it's an unusual song to stick at the front of your record. And uh, I think that was because there was a feeling of like, we liked that one a lot. We wanted the attention on that, didn't we? We that did. That yeah. Yeah. And we feel that when we played that live, because we improvised, eventually that song will become 12 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> and a bloated, you know, a bloated yes song it will become. <laughs> Emerson, Lake and Palmer. What about yourself? You got a favourite there? Um, my favourite song on the album it didn't make it on the album, and, and oh was no. Uh, no, and wasn't w and didn't work. It wasn't well recorded, but I, I loved the initial beginnings, the, the demo of it. What was it called? Uh, let, let, let me die. Let, let us, us die. die. Yeah, really? we had a song called Let Us Die, which is a brilliant song, but just and thematically fitted yeah, in and very and well. Fitted really, <laughs> really well, yeah. and, and was a real departure for James sonically went into a completely different area and I, and I loved we, we we worked quite a lot on putting the demo yeah. together and and it had this a sound and a mood and an energy to it and I just thought this is going to be killer on the record and we fucked it we didn't get it okay is there a chance for it to come back or appear well, on know, a we, future probably album? no no I'm sure it won't make a recording no. but at some point some idiot will say oh let's let's play it live <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll all realize guys a really good song it's a great we, song we, we played it live have we played it live? We yeah, did. we did. Yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't there that day. <coughs> <laughs> I see. Um. All right. So you also <laughs> said you, never, you <laughs> never write singles, just songs. So they're all equal in a way to you. So at one point, you have to make a decision for a singer. How, how does it happen? Mm. Do we, we don't purposely sit down to write a single, but every so often you're jamming and you, you hit something that you know is going to... Be a uh, kick a door down or change people's perception, um, and w every so often you get those, but you can't choose it. It's just luck. It's it's you're jamming, and suddenly you go, wow, ooh, heck, and it keeps on moving, and you get the parts, and you're you kind of you know you you know it. And it there's a few on this song which we haven't had for a, we haven't had for a few years. We don't really go looking for them. They just happen or they don't. Um, mm. And moving on was one of them, and curse, curse is probably another which we feel will do Perfect. that. Perfect. That would have been my suggestion if I would have dared to do one. <laughs> but curse, curse also is a perfect last question, like a kind of rolled-out carpet for me, because it mentions football. There you go. Le mm. There is a little line <laughs> mentioning Messi in it, so <laughs> could we might have a little idea of who's going to win the football <laughs> World Cup. <laughs> would, would, you, would you be daring enough? And mention, I know, I mean, you can't be that patriotic about 
We're, not anymore. No. Not anymore. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and I'm really sorry for it. And, but on the other hand, you don't have to be polite just because we are located in Berlin. Yeah. You don't have to. <laughs> Feel free. Just throw it out. Um, I'd like Argentina, not because of the song really, but just because there's a couple of Man yeah. City players playing for Argentina. But they need to get better <laughs> than they have, basically. And Man City have won the World Cup. Be off, get in. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> you see all that money, eh, from the Middle East? So we've got one for Argentina. Amazing. What else? I'm Argentina. Are you? Two? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, half of them play for Barcelona, so there you go. <laughs> He's a Barcelona. I'm not that much into football. I, I mean, I'm not going Good. to I'll tell you respond what, on it. It's a relief if you don't like football. It's <laughs> not that I don't like it. No, no, but do you know what I mean? Like, I find myself obsessed every day about, oh, what's going on? And the first thing I do in the morning is wake up, have a coffee, cigarette outside, straight onto Eurosport, <laughs> who's selling who, what's going on? What a sad existence. <laughs> <laughs> so what the fuck? They've got me. I, I would have never put it in that words. So, so Tim, what's your guess? Um, Argentina. A big Shall I tell you what this is here? Oh, sorry, hang on a sec. We are in some way, so small way, aren't we? Apologising for Thatcher's invasion of the Falklands. Yeah, yeah, invasion, aggression. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what? Two things. One is that um, Saul took us to see Barcelona when. Messi was 20 and he scored three and made two and it was the greatest player I've ever seen. And, and I'd like Argentina to win just so that Messi is crowned as the greatest player that's ever been because I think he is. And until he wins a World Cup, he won't be crowned in that way. But secondly, the, the song, we wanted Curse Curse to come out before the World Cup, you know, because we felt there's a line in it, a sexual line, a sexual pun on the word Messi, which you'll have to hear the song to, to get it. <laughs> we'll, we'll sing it for you later. Um, and, and, and so it'd be great if Argentina win it and they start playing this song because it's a, it's a fun song. Okay, Larry, last chance to add something else in Argentina. Well, I'm, no, I'm, I'm with in your camp. I've, I've taken no notice of the, uh, <laughs> of the football, really. Oh, okay. I haven't done since I, I, I thought you 14. would say Germany would win because in my camp I watch football. You do? It, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. It's just that I'm not really such a specialist in, in mm. chatting away with it and having names. Now, I, of course, I know Messi, but um, uh, apart from whoever's playing where, I, I'm not really into that. But okay. So, so you're like out of it? I, I stay neutral. Okay. I, grew, I grew up in Manchester. I, I realized early on that it was probably best to stay neutral. <laughs> <laughs> you can get into a lot of trouble in Manchester. Oh, I see. So, now we come to the fantastic point of this evening entertainment where we open it up for questions and answers from the audience. So in case um, you want to ask James, any special member, the whole of the group, a question, please hold up your hand and then uh, we have to um, spot somebody and wait until the microphone arrives so that everybody can hear you. All right. Fantastic enough. Let's start. Uh, first and up was, I think, the guy in the red T-shirt, third row. This question is for Tim. Uh, what did you learn uh, from your solo career? <laughs> <laughs> How long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> what a brilliant question. God. Well, to appreciate us. Bloody <laughs> 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 hell. <laughs> well, I really miss them. Um, uh, 
first of all, I, I don't consider it a solo career because I'm, I'm an ignorant musician. I'm a singer. And uh, I, I'm always at, definitely at the mercy of needing great musicians to, to realize anything that I have going for me. Um, so the first one with, the, with the Angelo Badlamenti, who did the David Lynch soundtracks, you know, that's not a solo record. That's working with Angelo Badlamenti. And the other two were with Lee Baker, who played most of the instruments. Um, I, I just had a great time, and it was, it was just, I had more control. James is, is very much, uh, uh, you know, it is a, a random experience. Getting away with it all messed up is, is the right song for us. You know, because we do, everything we do is a bit messed up, but kind of great because of it. Because no one has control in James. It's, it's just rolls forward. And whoever has the fire at a certain point takes, takes it forward and then other people take it from them and move forward. And so this thing just moves forward amorphously. Whereas in the, sol in the solo career, it was more like we were a bit more able to control what we were doing. Um, I really enjoyed it. I just love making music. Um, so, and it's very easy and effortless to make music for some reason, uh, for me and for all of us actually. Um, but I don't know about learn, it was just another pleasure, you know, a different pleasure. Thank you. All right. Yep. First of all, you were really <laughs> one of the first to lift the hand. <laughs> now dare it and ask your question. Hi. Um, it's not a very in-depth question, um, but it's, um, I've been living in Berlin seven, eight years now, and I've seen a lot of great bands, um, a lot of great English bands, but I've never seen James. But um, I'm just wondering whether you're actually planning on coming back at all and doing um, a full show in Berlin. <laughs> <Yeah>. Please. <laughs> such a long while since we've been here um we didn't have a great deal of support from um the lost record company for getting out here really which was a shame um um but we've got working with new people now <laughs> good people at bmg um so yeah i mean it, it seems a bit painful in a way to come here and just do this because mm. um, it's great to talk to you don't get me wrong but what we do is that <laughs> yeah. is play music um and nothing would give us greater pleasure if somebody somewhere could arrange for us to come over and, and play a proper show. Um, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, we, we, we've got no plans as such, but we've got lots of desire and we've got lots of, uh, you know, a, a dream of coming back and playing a big show in, in Berlin with the full band and the full, uh, the light show and everything. But uh, no exact plans yet. We couldn't say we're going to come on, you know, October the 14th or whatever. It's a okay. date. Watch this space. <laughs> it's a date. That's a date, yeah. All right. <laughs> we've got one. The, the, reason why <laughs> I think the reason why we're here now is because we've got more support now than we probably had since the early 90s from the record company, which, you know, it, so this is, this is great for us. And, uh, and so, you know, getting that video made, it's like we haven't had that kind of support for quite a number of years. So it, it feels very positive for us at the moment. This record feels very positive for us at the moment. It does, it feels really different. And um, it, just in your full stop, it feels like we've, we've kind of, either we've been ignored or we've ignored it a little bit, I think. And I think that's, I don't really understand how that's happened. It's just such a long time since we've been here in any way, shape or form. Um, and I don't really get that. Um, 
and we, de we definitely want to change that. Um, so yeah, we'll start just pleading with people to put us on. It's okay, <laughs> but we heard you've yeah. got us on your list, which is good to know. More questions? Uh, yep, maybe third row there. So I would like to know, you said earlier that you, over the last one and a half years, you had about 90 rehearsals. So how does it work for you guys to meet up? Where do you meet up and how do, do you use WhatsApp or anything? <laughs> or who's in charge to ring up who wow. to inform where, where to meet and stuff? It's, it's all done in secret. <laughs> <laughs> and we leave kind of clues for each other. But as we get deaf and blind, sometimes the clues are missed. And so we fail to be in each other's presence. Um, we don't really get together very often. Tim's in Lo outside Los Angeles. Um, Jimmy and I live, Jimmy very far north, me north in Scotland. Larry's in Manchester. Um, we, d we don't really often have the chance to get together, actually. So when we do, we try to make absolutely the most of the opportunity that we do. But it's not easy, logistically. So, so the, the yeah. writing for the album was done all over, really, wasn't it? It was kind of gaps in between, usually yeah. between festivals. We play festival one weekend, and then another festival the next weekend. And then one of the two places, we'd stay for a few extra days, and we'd go in a rehearsal room or studio, and we'd just kind of bang through stuff and record it, and then disappear off to the next place. And we did it all over, basically. Uh, Athens, Lisbon. We, we choose nice we places. We choose nice places. <laughs> we think usually. we'll stay for a few days. <laughs> Sunshine. Yeah. And then we, lock, we locked ourselves in a hotel in Scotland to really bolt, us, bolt it down for a couple of weeks. That's when we really did the, the graft. Yeah, locked ourselves away. But the there's no multimedia jamming. It, it all happens when well, you're together did. in a room. It does, but we, I mean, Larry was very much um, responsible for his, a, a very brave and I think quite successful attempt that we did with, uh, the night before to make a record where we file, uh, we file shared, basically. We shared files with each other from different parts of the, the world and threw them together. And that was, it was a really challenging experience. Uh, time differences, uh, difference in people's motivation and attitude and desire and capabilities, you know, <laughs> just, you know, whatever. Um, so um, we were really good at it. <laughs> yeah, we were brilliant. <laughs> the rest of the ones who aren't here, useless. No, but that was, that was a very interesting experience, which we could probably do again, actually, I think, and probably more efficiently. We took, that was five years ago. So actually the technology is now uh, quicker and faster, and probably we could communicate with each other creatively in quite a different way. It's quite interesting. Um, we are in the home of Apple, after all, are we not? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another question. Well, first of all, thank you for being here, guys, and thank you for your music. Um, there are several us, uh, of us here tonight uh, who had the privilege to witness one of your shows last year of the Gathering Sound Tour, uh, the show in Manchester, and I remember that one was filmed, and I've been waiting eagerly for a DVD of that. Uh, is that ever going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Again, it, it, it's, it's finances. It, you, you can't make money from uh, filming and from putting out a video now. So it, it's all about finance. It, it just, it's sitting there. It will get edited probably one day and put out. There was an orchestra tour, which was amazing too, which we wanted to put out um, with a choir and an orchestra. But um, that, that one didn't materialize um, financially. Again, that was, that was a while back. He's so there. No, He's at there the moment. <laughs> for history, you know, it, kind of, it, it will stay there at least for now. But... I'm sure we'll do something with this stuff. I mean, we've got quite a lot of, quite a backlog of things, I think, with 
filmed or recorded. We record tours and then we just, we can't, we're not quite sure what to do or we haven't got the time or the focus. We just sit there and I'm sure we'll come back to these things and we'll, we'll apparently, get out. You know. uh, apparently Prince has got like a warehouse of documentaries, including an album with James Brown. Um, that he recalls all this stuff and he's going to release it when he's dead. So uh, maybe we'll do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll wait till Prince dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Compete with Prince. Yeah. Brilliant, he's dead. We can release all our stuff. <laughs> what a weird thing. All right, maybe we've got time for one more. Uh, what about somebody from behind, way back behind? Oh, there's somebody, last oh. row. That looks really desperate, right? <laughs> like, Where's the toilet? <laughs> Not waving, but drowning. Hi there. Do you find yourself sometimes romanticizing about the Britpop heydays, about the 90s, or is that all in the past? N no, never romanticizing about it. It's in the past. <laughs> and at the time, we found it quite strange because we'd been going, you know, I don't know, 10 years by that point or nine years, and suddenly we were a new Britpop act. And it was like a bit tedious, you know, to us, I think. Uh, it, it, you know, there's been some great periods of music. When we started, it was The Fall and Joy Division and who were helping us and, and Orange Juice. And, and there were some great bands around and The Smiths, of course. Um, and then the, the next wave was, was good, too. It's like there's always good music out there. It's just finding it now is the hard thing or finding it's the easy thing, but getting it out to the public is the hard thing. I don't know. It's like, it's, there's so much music out there. So much great music out there. I often wake up in the middle of the night dreaming of having Brett Anderson's hand on my knee. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that a good dream? <laughs> I do, I th is that romanticizing? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a romantic image. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Two middle-aged men just enjoying each other's company. Oh, I've got to get rid of these pictures <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> uh, do we have one more question? I think we have time for Tangerine. that. Tangerine. Uh, yeah, what about second row white Green. shirt? Please. Hello. Um, do you feel like the music you personally listen to influences the music you write? It's hard to say because there's so many of us yeah. <coughs> and, and each of us are pushing and pulling the songs in different directions. Um, but I'm sure each individual has influences that are pulling the songs in certain directions. Mm. But it, as I say, it's a bit of a, like we're one of those kind of viruses seen under a microscope that kind of moves <laughs> this way and then moves that way. And it's, it's got no logic to it. It just kind of keeps on consuming. I think probably the influence is probably impacted earlier on I think when we were trying to work out kind of what we were and some kind of guidelines and what we weren't going to be as much as what we were going to be and I think some of the things then the kind of experimental side of things and looking for originality and not sounding like other mm. bands I think some of that came from some of the people we liked in the early days I think perhaps we were also we were looking more for connections musically like things we collectively liked mm. and now we're kind of a bit more disparate aren't we mm. geographically and musical taste wise but I think we've kind of laid those foundations there which are still there, I think, mm. through all these years. Mm. The idea, I think, the idea of an influence is is kind of double-edged. There was a, a a friend of mine who makes a lot of music. Uh, he suggested that rather than sounding like your influence, uh, sounding like the people that you like, you're more guided by not sounding like the people that you don't like. It's like you're defined by your musical prejudices. 
What you don't like, you don't include in your music, rather than trying to include the things mm -hmm. that you do. You avoid the things that you don't. So uh, in, that re in that respect, I think we're all very much heavily influenced because we avoid, uh, it's more in what we avoid than what mm. we include. Well, that was a very good explanation. Well, <laughs> thank you for that. And, and thank you for sharing all these thoughts, all these stories of the new record of you as a band with us. It was a pleasure. Thank mm. you so much. Great. That was James. Thank you too. <laughs> Jim, Saul, Tim and Larry. Yeah.